0: Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. How are you doing today? Have you had a good weekend? Have you had a good Monday? My name is Richie Allen. I've got two terrific guests for you today. I'm with you till seven o'clock as usual. Tweet BBG Richie during the program or send me a message through my website, RichieAllen.co.uk.
1: It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show live from Salford in Greater Manchester.
2: It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen.
0: Well, I've got an amazing story for you this first hour, courtesy of my great pal Jackie Devoi, the journalist. Lisa will be on the program. Lisa came back from Turkey into the UK last Tuesday, would you believe? And from there, she was sent to a quarantine centre near Heathrow, where she was supposed to be for two weeks, supposed to stay there in quarantine for two weeks. She's not there anymore. The story is extraordinary. Lisa joins the programme in around about 25 minutes' time. Can't wait for that. A bit later on in the programme's second hour, we'll be joined by none other than Dr. Jane Ruby. Jane is a medical professional Formerly worked in pharmaceutical drug development. 20 years of experience in regulatory processes for drug approval. Live from the US, Jane will join me. I follow her on Twitter and I find her very interesting indeed. So I invited her on the program. That's how it works. That's Monday's Richie Allen Show. The BBG with you until 7 o'clock. And just to put you out of your misery, you whingers. I've had about three dozen emails. Honestly. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, Will you be on air tomorrow, Richie? Uh, Will you? Because England play Germany at five o'clock. Of course I will be on air. I'm an Irishman. I'm happy in England. I love my Sossanuck friends. But I'm not an England fan. I'd like England to do well tomorrow. I hope they beat the Germans. But I won't be watching it. I'll be here with you between five and seven. All right. Okay. We've cleared that one up now, have we? Yeah. Okay. We have a new health secretary. His name is Sajid Javid. He looks like an extra from the hills, have eyes. He looks like a character developed by Wes. (laughs) I've forgotten his name. The joke's on me now, isn't it? What's his face? Elm Street, Wesley, whatever his name is. Anyway. He does look like an extra from the hills of ice. <laughs> uh, this Wally, he is a Wally, has been the Chancellor of the Exchequer and he has been the Home Secretary. Now he's the Health Secretary. He's going for a clean sweep. Presumably they'll give him a gold watch when they make him Prime Minister. He's taken over from the utterly useless Matt Hancock, who was caught not quite with his trousers doon last... Uh, Friday by the by the sun newspaper, but he was caught with his tongue down somebody's throat throat even. The wrong woman's throat. Mad Hancock. So he's gone. Sajid Javid is in and he wants the restrictions to end soon, he said, and be irreversible. Here he is.
2: I want to see the restrictions lifted and life going back to normal as quickly as possible. And that's at my right here and now, that is my absolute priority. I want to see those restrictions lifted as soon as we can as quickly as possible. It'll it's going to be irreversible. There's no 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 going back. And, and and that's why we want to be careful during that process. And I'll have more to say uh, about this uh, during my statement.
0: Yes, it's Wes Craven. It just came to me. Wes Craven. I was saying Wesley. He's not known as Wesley. It's Wes Craven. Thank you, Spiro Skouras. Just as it popped into my head, you, you emailed me there at the speed of light. He does look like something from the hills of Ice, Sajid Javid. I don't care if I'm called a racist. Why would I be? I'm not a racist. He just does. Anyway, he knows as much about healthcare as he did about policing and as he did about the economy. He knows squat. He's a stooge. Anyone will do, really. Anyone. Do you think Matt Hancock knew anything about health? Yeah. His boss... Boris Johnson, if you believe that Boris Johnson is actually running things, spoke to the media this afternoon from Batley and Spen. There is a by-election there this coming Thursday. On Matt Hancock, why, Boris, did you say that the matter was closed on Friday and then accept his resignation 24 hours later? Johnson.
2: Well, I read the the story on Friday and uh, we've got a a new health secretary in post uh, on Saturday. And I think that's uh, about the right pace to proceed in a, in a pandemic. Uh, and actually had a good conversation uh, yesterday, a long meeting uh, with Sajid Javid, the new health secretary. And we, we <laughs> went over the the data in great detail.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they went over the data in great detail on the chances of, well, restrictions being removed earlier than July the 19th. That would appear to be unlikely.
1: Are you personally disappointed that lockdown restrictions will remain in place for another two weeks?
2: Well, I think that uh, we in uh, government want to take a a cautious but irreversible approach to uh, the uh, to the pandemic, and there is positive signs. So it's absolutely the, the true that, uh, as I was saying just now, deaths are, uh, are low uh, and, and hospitalizations remain low, though they've been, uh, they've been rising uh, a little bit. Uh, we are seeing a, a, an increase in, uh, in cases, uh, and, uh, and quite a big increase in, in cases. What is clear is that we've interrupted the, the link between infection Uh, and uh, serious uh, illness and death and that's very very important so that shows that the vaccination program has been working and I'm very very encouraged by that what I think we should do now is continue to take a cautious but irreversible approach and use the next three and a half weeks or so uh, to make sure that we get those another five million uh, vaccinations into into people's arms, build up even higher that, that wall of, of protection and then go forward on uh, July the 19th as a terminus date when I think that we'll be able really uh, to return to uh, pretty much life before COVID. That's, that's what we're working towards.
0: Mm, he's lying. Wait until next winter. They're already talking about a triple threat next winter. They're talking about flu, which was in retirement for the last year and a half or so. They're talking about COVID variants and they're talking about some other respiratory diseases which might all gather together and ruin winter. So don't get too excited, Johnson. Mass protest in London on Saturday, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in attendance. It was huge, there's no doubt about that. The former journalist... And MEP Martin Daubney was on Julia Hartley Brewer's talk radio show this morning. She asked Martin Daubeney why so, such little coverage from the BBC and Sky News. This was his answer.
3: Well, because we have a huge tranche of British society who who don't conform to their viewpoint. And their viewpoint is lockdowns are good. Um, everybody should be vaccinated and we must all obey the rules. We must wear our masks and be good boys and girls. And of course, when you have a huge uprising and it was a peaceful, wonderful march, Judah, you were there, um, all sorts of people, a hugely diverse crowd from every background in Britain. And they were smeared by the media as being anti vax I saw you got cheesed off about that, as did I. Because of course, whenever an event like this takes place, they will focus in on a few people uh, with more extreme views and make out somehow that the entire crowd hold those views, which we all know is nonsense. But another thing interesting happened on Saturday, which was new to this, and that is normally they completely try and ignore it. But this time it was so big they couldn't. So instead, they focused on a few smaller protests that were taking place on the same day. There was an Extinction Rebellion one. There was a march against Palestine and a Black Lives Matter march at Parliament Square. Now, by the time our march got down to that, it was literally comparing a teaspoon to a bucket. They were swallowed up by huge numbers of anti-lockdown people. But the BBC said that this enormous crowd, the shots of which you've just been showing um, the aerial shots, Julia, was somehow these smaller marchers. Yes. And they suddenly took over the numbers. And and they conflated
4: them all. And there was a Guardian report and a BBC report, again, talking about Extinction Rebellion, Free Palestine, Black Lives Matter, and this anti-vax march. The Guardian said it had been a very poor turnout. Biggest march yet.
0: Mm. Yeah, you can trust the Guardian, Julia. Not Martin Daubney, they're speaking to Julia Hartley Brewer. Now, at 10 minutes past five, people who have had two doses of a COVID vaccination are still at risk of becoming infected. <laughs> says who? Well, says Professor Jeremy Brown, a leading scientist allegedly. He's a member of the JCVI, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, that advises the government. He was speaking about Andrew Marr of the BBC who said on his programme yesterday, and you will hear it in a moment, that he became very unwell sometime after getting his second jab. So speaking to the BBC News Channel today, Brown, the professor, said, Unfortunately, what happened to Andrew is going to happen to various people. Quite a lot of people have been vaccinated. They are still going to catch the virus. (laughs) But they are going to have mild disease rather than severe infections. So let's hear some of what Andrew Marr discussed yesterday on his Sunday morning programme. He believes that he got an infection while he was covering the G seven summit in Cornwall a couple of weeks ago. So let's hear some of it. Mar was speaking to Peter Horby of Nervtag. Nerve Tag, which is new and emerging respiratory virus threats advisory group. Yes yeah no no you're right you're absolutely right here's
3: mar um i hope it's not self-indulgent sir peter to ask you about me because i got coronavirus last week i'd been double jabbed um earlier in the spring and felt if not king of the world at least almost entirely immune and yet i got it was i just unlucky
5: were you unlucky um i think you you were. I mean, what we know with the vaccines is that they are actually remarkably effective at preventing hospitalisations and deaths. Um, they are less effective at preventing um, infection. So, you know, although you were sick, you weren't hospitalised and, you know, there wasn't yeah. any uh, fatality. And that's probably because of the vaccination. I think it's really important for people to realise that as we increase the vaccination rates and most um, older people are vaccinated, we will see breakthrough infections and we'll start to see that actually in the end, the majority of infections are in people who've been vaccinated. And that does not mean that the vaccines don't work. Breakthroughs are expected. Um, what we want to do is to prevent hospitalizations and deaths and the vaccines do that very
0: effectively. It's astonishing, really, what they're getting away with, the lies they're getting away with. You know, um, it's, it's effective at preventing hospitalisation and severe illness. It's less effective at preventing infection. This is crazy stuff. This is akin, I would say, to being told that the grass in your front garden is pink and not green. You're looking at it, you know for a fact it's green but they're telling you that it is pink. It's astonishing. ...deaths. Um,
5: They are less effective at preventing um, infection.
0: They are less effective at preventing infection. This is the nerve tank guy. I mean, this guy is explaining to you why you shouldn't have the vaccination because it isn't a vaccine.
5: ...and deaths, um, they are less effective at preventing um, infection. infection.
0: And he goes on to
5: say... As we increase the vaccination rates and most older people are vaccinated, we will see breakthrough infections and we'll start to see that actually... In the end, the majority of infections are in people who've been vaccinated. And that does not mean that the vaccines don't
0: work. I, I mean, this is absolutely comical. Listen to this again. As we increase the... Vac- We're going to see breakthrough infections in those who have been double vaccinated. But that doesn't mean that the vaccinations don't work. Vaccination- like I said, your grass is pink. It isn't, it isn't green. Rates and most um, older people are vaccinated. We
5: will see breakthrough infections and we'll start to see that actually... In the end, the majority of infections are in people who've been vaccinated. And that does not mean that the vaccines don't work.
0: But of course it means the vaccines don't work. You've just told us they don't work. Anyway, Mar continues the conversation somewhat.
3: Sure, I'm pretty clear that by being vaccinated, I did not end up in hospital, and that's a great thing. But we use slightly glibly occasionally this phrase, mild and moderate infections. For me, it was really, really quite unpleasant. And I just wonder if it's important in terms of public health messaging to explain to people, you may be double vaccinated, but that doesn't mean you won't catch COVID-19 and it won't be pretty bloody.
0: Marr is some coward, isn't he? What a coward, Mary's. A real journalist, a really good presenter, would be screaming at the guy. Would be saying, Listen, you horse's ass! You you pig of a man! I went and got the two jabs like you told me to. I did my duty. I got my jab for me and for my country and for the Queen and for Prince Philip, God rest him. And I got it for Rolf Harris. And here we are! I got sick two weeks ago, I nearly died, you mad bastard. But no, Mar doesn't have the courage. Rather than take him on and say, what was all that about? Why did I go and get the two jabs? Mar says, it's really important, isn't it, to remind people that even if they have had the two jabs, it doesn't mean they won't become unwell. Come on, man, grow a pair of testicles. Just for once in your life. Grow a pair of balls, find your scrotum, feel around a bit down there. You might still have your balls. And ask the question, what the hell did I get jabbed for? But of course he won't. I I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Andrew. You know, you you can
5: be pretty sick and not end up in hospital. And actually many many of my... Listen to this.
0: This guy says that many of his friends who got vaccinated... Became very sick.
5: Many of my my colleagues and friends have been in that situation. You know, I'm in my 50s, and many of my friends of a similar age have had pretty severe illness and have been.
0: they had pretty severe illness. These friends, in a similar age, His friends have had the jab, but many of them, he said, have had the illness.
5: And close to sort of trying to admit themselves to hospital. So
0: some of them even tried to admit themselves to hospital.
5: You can get quite a nasty disease.
0: You can get quite a nasty disease. Even if you've had the two jabs, but have the two jabs anyway. And of course, what they're doing here is they're setting it up, aren't they? Because ultimately, those who get the mRNA treatments, they're going to suffer the ADE. They're going to suffer the pathogenic priming, aren't they? When they get exposed to a virus in six months' time or eight months' time, They're going to become very sick. And lawyers like that guy from NerveTag, they're going to go on television and say, well, look, we did say that the vaccines don't, you know, entirely prevent the risk of getting ill, you know? That's what they're going to do. It's 17 minutes past five. I know. I know. Shirt is all mad. Don't have the job. I shouldn't be telling you that. You do what you want. New feature, then, on The Richie Allen Show going forward. Brand new feature... I work pretty hard for you and uh, I'm excited about this brand new feature. It's basically called Stupid Stupid Question. Stupid Question. Stupid Question. Stupid Question. Stupid Question. Stupid Question. Yes. What's it about then? Well, each week, sometimes more than once a week, we'll feature a stupid, ridiculous question posed by one of the UK's heavyweight news presenters. You like the production values there, yeah? Stupid question! Brilliant. Right, today's stupid question comes from, I'm delighted that she's the first up, it's the ginger ninja, R.K. Burley. the Diane of, of, of television news broadcasting now k is interviewing a guy who will swim the length of lake geneva for a brain tumor charity he's going on a very long swim it's over to k Burley.
4: let's speak shall we to john royden now who is planning to swim the length of lake geneva show off in 36 hours to raise money in memory of his sister emma hello to you
0: good morning 42.8
4: miles in 36 hours. How are you going to do that?
0: Right. Let's ask the panel, was that question as stupid as I thought it was? My panel today is the Dutch football manager, Louis van Gaal, former US President Donald Trump and some bloke from Star Trek. Let's hear the question again.
4: Let's speak, shall we, to John Royden now, who is uh, planning to swim the length of Lake Geneva show-off in 36 hours to raise money in memory of his sister, Emma. Hello to you. Good morning. 42.8 miles in 36 hours. How are you gonna do that?
0: How are you gonna do that, lads? Was that stupid? That's a stupid question. It's a
2: stupid question, I think. It's a stupid question.
0: What a stupid question that is.
3: What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions.
0: It's a stupid question. So the guys are unanimous. That's a stupid question. Um, What did the guy say, by the way? How is he gonna do it? Well, he swim without
3: stopping, it's just endlessly putting one arm in front of the other, and he just carry on until he gets the other end. Comedy gold. Well, he swim without stopping, it's just endlessly putting one arm in front of the other, and he just carry on until he gets the other end. Fantastic.
0: Stupid question! Stupid question. Stupid question! This is the Richie Allen Radio Show live from Salford Mondays program the 28th of June 2021. I'm the BBG, Richie Allen with you till 7 o'clock, two brilliant guests. Lisa is up first. We're going to talk about something fascinating. Quarantine hotels and all of that coming up next. from The Lads on the Richie Allen radio show for Monday. And it's nice to be with you. You can send me a message through the website. It's richieallen.co.uk. My great friend Jackie Devoy gave me a shout over the weekend. And she said, Richie, there's an amazing story developing near Heathrow Airport. A lady called Lisa returned from Turkey last Tuesday. Haven't been there since early May. And has ended up in a quarantine hotel. She's been there for three or four days and is meant to stay there for a fortnight. But she's not going to stick around. She's going to abscond. I'm delighted to welcome to the programme Lisa herself. Lisa, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: I'm fine, thank you. Yes, I've got the police knocking on the door at this very moment.
0: No, you do not, do you?
4: I I really do, yes. Because
0: we speculated about this earlier today, didn't we? Would they be coming to try and find you? Wow.
4: Well, I've been told it is a possibility. Um, I don't know if it's the hotel that has sent them. It is only one police officer. It could well be an, a neighbour, a Karen that might have snitched on me, that is always a possibility as well because I'm quite an anti-vaxxer, anti-lockdown, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've spoken to a solicitor, uh, a lawyer, sorry, called Kelly, and she's given me a list of things that I just say my partner is now doing that at this very moment. There's no reason why they should arrest us.
0: No, that's, really. that's, can, not, can, can, yeah. I, can I ask you... You're a brilliant speaker, by the way. Can you, can you sum up what happened when you got back into the country from Turkey um, as as okay. quickly as you can? And then we'll have plenty of time then to talk thereafter. What happened last Tuesday when you got back in?
4: Right, okay. Well, we went into Heathrow Airport and I went to the luggage department, went through all the necessary channels that you have to do. And basically... My partner said, "No, we're not going into hotel quarantine. We've had all the relevant PCR tests. We've been in Turkey for seven weeks. We've not even got a sniffle, and it's a red list country." Um, and because we kept saying, "No, no, we're not going to do it," we did have an exemption form from the medical, uh, from a doctor in Turkey. And they called the hotel. They called the police, and they came along with Glocks, you know, strapped to their side. And there was two of them and we were we arrived at the airport at four twenty and we ended up at the hotel at eight o'clock. Uh there was a paramedic called because I had a funny term being fifty seven years old, you know, I would get all sort of like my heart sort of beats really fast and anxious. Yeah. Um and they said, Oh, your blood pressure's really high and I thought, No, no shit, Sherlock, it probably is. Yeah. Um and And then while we were like that, they just sort of gave our uh, passports and the passenger locator forms to somebody in the airport, one of the members of staff. And they put us into the system of the hotel. And before we knew it, we were on the coach and we were at the hotel. And that was around about eight o'clock.
0: And they told you, didn't they, Lisa? They they told you that this was a two-week stay. You were going to have to stay there for two weeks.
4: Well, they told us that it was 10 days it said on the form i got an email through which i was surprised about where they put me in on the system i got sent an email and it said 12 days but the manager of the hotel the renaissance hotel said um it was 10 days but i mean i got in the room and the uh, i mean the windows wouldn't open that was that was the deciding factor for me, really. I couldn't open the windows. I'm a I'm a woman that has numerous hot flushes and not to be able to open a window and breathe fresh air really made me anxious. And, and the windows,
0: Lisa, the windows were closed, presumably to prevent people from attempting to leave that way. There well, can't be any other reason, right?
4: I don't know if it's to, pre- pre- you know, prevent people... Um, climbing out of the windows or to stop them breathing fresh air. I mean, it just seems very surreal and very strange, especially when Boris Johnson has been saying all over the papers, you know, the last few months, open the windows, breathe in fresh air. Breathe in the fresh air, Yeah, and these windows were closed. Now it
0: must be it must be mentioned that when you were in Turkey, a lot a lot of people do what what, what you did. By the way, I've got family and friends back home. Dental treatment is so bloody expensive in Ireland and in the UK that so people go on dental holidays. So you went over yes. there, but it was while you were there that the UK listed Turkey as a red list country, meaning that anybody returning from Turkey. Had to be quarantined just for our listeners' sake they've they've categorized countries as red list as amber list and as as a green list. An amber list country, they they don't forbid you going there, but they say if you do go there, you will need to quarantine at home when you return. For a red list country, if you go mm. there or if you happen to be caught there, like you were, when you come back, they say you've got to go into a supervised quarantine, the the hotel quarantine. C- crazy stuff. So you're in the room, then you and and your partner Ricky, and it's not very right. nice there. Um, was anybody kind of What I'd like to know, Lisa, are they friendly in this instance? You know, are they kind of keeping you informed and, you know, trying to make things as comfortable as they can? Or are you just basically dumped in there?
4: Uh, Well, the staff that were on the coach, um, they were very friendly. And when I got into the hotel, I did find the security guards quite friendly as well. But they've obviously got to adhere to the rules and regulations. That's what they're there for. Um, The manager was very nice. Um, You know, there is a a human aspect where where the staff know what the score is. They know you're uncomfortable. One of them said, yes, we do realise it's a strange situation. Um, the flu- The food was plentiful. I mean, God, I would have probably put on two stone if I'd stayed there, <laughs> right. you know. It yeah. was loads. They just, loads of food all the time. Um, but on the whole, it, but it just felt so unnatural. Well, it is. It's
0: confinement, um, Lisa. It's, it's yeah. basically imprisonment. And yeah. forget what anybody might think about coronavirus. I don't think it's anywhere near as serious a an infection as they say it is. I don't believe it is. I believe in it, but I don't believe it's that serious. It's totally wrong. They are taking you against your will to a place yeah. and they're saying you've got to stay there for 10 days. So you have yeah. issues with your throat, which I do. Um, Aircon, yeah. Aircon is not good for you. You need the windows open. I understand that. Mm. You're getting uncomfortable. And were you chatting with Ricky? At, at what point did you say... Come on, Ricky, let's see, can we can we abscond? Can we can we escape? Because I'm I'm fascinated. When when did you think about doing that?
4: Well, I think it was probably after the first forty-eight hours. I decided we were gonna have the first uh PCR test or whatever it is that they do, because I wanted it to be negative. And I thought if that PCR test is negative, which I know it's going to be, because I was tested negative for it um literally 24 hours earlier in Turkey um, because I had to fly. I thought then, and as soon as my stomach settled, because I had a really sort of nervy tummy um, as well. And I said, as soon as that happens, we're going to go because I had to really put my money where my mouth was. You know, I've been fighting the fight for since all this stuff began. And I thought, I cannot just sit here and do the 10 days. It just would be wrong. And I thought, we're going to walk, we're going to go.
0: And we did, and you did. What was fascinating was, I, I know you were speaking to Jackie. Jackie's the reason you're here. That's my yes. great friend Jackie Devoy, who was a terrific journalist, and uh, yes. her stories appear in all the papers. It was Jackie reached out to me and she said, "Richie, do you want to speak to Lisa?" She said, uh, oh. and I said, "Who's Lisa?" You know. Well, she said, yeah. she, she said she's this terrific lady, and oh. she's had enough of the quarantine. She shouldn't be there, and she's going to make a break <laughs> for it. And, yeah. and was there was did you did you get some solicitors' advice before you made the break for it?
4: Well, it was Jackie. I would say the straw that broke the camel's back. Hey, for by me. the way,
0: by yes. the way, should we be careful about what we say next, just in case we we incriminate anyone? Yes, I don't want to I do, do just, that. Let's just be. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We, we don't want somebody to end up in in the nick answering questions, no. right? But there was some advice given. anyway. we'll we, we leave it there about the advice. We won't yes. incriminate anybody. And you must have been a nervous wreck then. So, so tell us about the escape yeah. then.
4: Well, i um, I was a nervous wreck. There's no getting away from it. I do suffer from anxiety. Have done for quite a long time. Um, and you know, there was loads and loads of security guards everywhere. They're just walking up and down the corridors. They're sat at the end of the corridors. They're by the lifts um when you go down in a lift you have to have one of the security guards if you want to go for a walk you have to ring up the reception a security guard comes to your room then you go downstairs with a security guard then you have to sign into a book uh, number and uh, name and then you're allowed for your walk so it's security everywhere and I can't remember what was your question?
0: Sorry, Richie. No, about the about the actual escape. So you're you're giving me great oh, details yes. there. It's difficult because there's security guards everywhere. Do you know what makes me yes. laugh about this before you tell me about the escape? You know, they're treating you and others in this terrible way. Mm. And yet, you know, three years ago. A guy was able to go to Libya, he was uh, able to go to Syria, he was able to mosey back into the country, go to Manchester, pick up a yeah. rucksack and go and blow up Manchester Arena. And, th- exactly. and, and, and I don't find anything funny about that, and I know you don't either. And there you yeah. are, they've got guards everywhere at the at the, at the reception, yeah. outside the rooms. So obviously you've yeah. got to keep this in mind then. You've got all these guards. So So, so tell us what happened next.
4: Right. Well, we decided that we were going to go at about 2am in the morning because we wanted to take them by surprise, really. That's when people were and can't be bothered. So we thought that would be the best time to go. So we packed our cases. We didn't have any sleep um, and we were going to go down the fire escape. That was uh, where we sussed out. You know, it was near our room. Anyway, we snuck off out the door as we were going down the corridor, one of the security guards came towards us, but he thought that we were leaving, because I suppose he's come across people leaving at that time before, you know, once they've done their 10 days. Um, and but at so 2 up in the morning, ass. though,
0: but at 2 in the morning, so he, he just allowed you to, to, to walk away, even though it was 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm guessing that guy has been fired since, <laughs> since <Saturday. laughs> More than Well, likely. he was
4: old. He oh, was, was he really old. old. And he thought we were leaving um, because we'd done our ten day stint. Right. He didn't think we were escaping.
0: Did he say anything? Did he, did he wave he you said, off?
4: Uh, do, he said, "Do you want your bags carrying?" I Fantastic. said, "Fantastic."
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh, but that's brilliant, isn't it? Because you must have absolutely cacked it when you saw the security guard. I would have done anyway. <laughs> but the guy well, says, "I
4: think." Go on. This, it was this it was the psychological aspect of the police with guns um, in Heathrow, and they were talking to us and disputing with us for sort of like three hours before they got us into the coach. And it was that that was in the back of my mind—the fear factor. That's what ramped the fear factor up. But um, as I was advised to do by my lawyer, um, be positive, don't engage too much, speak clearly if they approach you, um, and. We went down to the bottom floor. We started navigating our way towards the foyer. Um, then the security guards, there was about five or six of them, said, sign this, sign this. And we said, nope, we're not signing anything. Because we didn't actually sign anything to go in there. That's the thing. We didn't sign anything to go into that hotel. What do you mean? Though? You didn't um, sign
0: like like an acknowledgement I mean, form to acknowledge that you were going right. to be there, right? Okay. That's right.
4: Yeah, we didn't go through the uh, we didn't pay the one thousand seven hundred and fifty. We didn't do that because we had a medical exemption form from Turkey. We we flew through two airports into England and that medical exemption form, which uh, was viable and helped us fly through two airports, wasn't seen as. a You know, a, a proper exemption form in the UK, but we did ring the English doctor Various times when we were in Turkey to see if we could get an exemption form for time-sensitive dental treatment and various other things, and the doctor wouldn't even speak to us. She got the the English doctor wouldn't even speak to us. She got one of the receptionists to do it.
0: Right. So the you exemption know, so- the exemption form you're referring to is an exemption from quarantine. That's what it, that, that's what it is. So you wouldn't have to well, do the quarantine. Yes, yeah, that's
4: right. Yes, it was. Uh, but it was a t- from the Turkish side. We thought because. Um, it gave us clearance when we filled out the gov.uk website thing. Um, it went through okay. We put the two and eight numbers in. We put the uh, the number that we got given in the box. We had an exemption form that was written by a, a doctor, and we thought that would, uh, you know, suffice. But, but you ended up, um, but you
0: ended up arguing at the airport for a few hours with the police, and they insisted yeah, that you get on yeah. the coach and go to the hotel. So at two o'clock yeah. in the morning, you and yeah. Ricky, you go down the fire escape, but you, but you yeah. end up having to come back into the building because I suppose no, f- you didn't. Uh, well,
4: we went in the lift. The guy, the security guy, thought that we were actually um, leaving. That your time properly. is up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he took our bags down in the lift with us and then as we got to the foyer, five guys said, right, can you sign that? We said no, and then the penny dropped with them what we were doing. Um, And then Ricky said, leave me alone and stand back. And they did. Wow. They just melted away. Because
0: when they realised that you were absconding, you obviously expected them to try and prevent you from leaving. Of course. but, but, But when Ricky said back off they backed off
4: they backed off they just melted away literally wow. and i said uh, can you leave us alone please and thank you very much and have a good evening well done. that's what i said and they just disappeared and we just went out the door we had a taxi booked at the um other side of the road and i thought they would follow us but they haven't you know they didn't and um You know it's all it's psychological it really is psychological and yes the police have come round but as the lawyer said there is really not a lot they can do and i feel quite adamant that um you know i will follow the rights that do the right thing i'm they can't take us to the police station there's a law called what is it uh rice v connolly law which means you don't have to be taken down to the police station you know if you do your homework you can find these things um, so I've just got to say that, and uh, They're know, probably, the um, there's yeah.
0: probably some they, they they might be in breach of some COVID regulations. Anyway, I mean, what what is the point of coming to your house now and and taking you back to the hotel? They can't obviously do that. It wouldn't make any sense. I suppose <laughs> they just have to <laughs> no. accept that that you've gone. And when you were leaving and getting into the taxi, your your heart must have been pounding out of your chest, Lisa.
4: Well. I did do a little video at that point of me hiding in a bush, which isn't really (laughs) worth anything. (laughs) But um, yeah, my heart was beating and my legs were like jelly. But as soon as I got into that taxi and realised that they weren't following us, you know, the relief sort of like flooded over me. Yeah.
0: And you said that you've had a visit from... A police officer today. Has Has anybody mm. spoken? Or it was just before you came on with me, was it? It was so, literally. So yeah, what? What minutes. have you done? Just Just what did you do? Just not answer or speak to him through? Did Ricky speak to him through the letterbox, or how did that work?
4: I don't know because I'm on the phone to you, so I don't know what. So Ricky's he did. dealing with I think he probably didn't answer the door because he didn't
0: want to start a commotion. No. I hope when you hang up, Ricky is still there and he's not halfway down the road in a paddy wagon. I doubt, I doubt he is. (laughs) But but, uh, what an amazing (laughs) chain of events. And go back to Turkey now. What was, Mm. because you spent quite a few weeks in Turkey. What was Mm. the approach to coronavirus in Turkey? What were the restrictions like in the country? Were they taking it very seriously?
4: Uh, Yeah, they were taking it very seriously. At one point, um, the government wanted the hospitality staff to wear masks that said, uh, welcome to Turkey, I'm vaccinated. Um, They wanted the Turks to do that to all the uh, incoming tourists. They thought that would uh, make the tourists feel uh, safe, but the Turkish people rebelled against that. uh, So they scrapped that. Then also... Uh, On a weekend, they won't allow the Turkish people, I think it's a Sunday, actually, they won't allow the Turkish people to go on the beach, but they allow all the foreigners to go on the beach. Now, that causes a lot of unrest. No doubt. You know, that's not good.
0: No doubt. Imagine if you Mm. were living in Lytham, or imagine if you were living in Southend-on-Sea, and uh, they said, well, the tourists can go for a swim, but you can't. There'd be absolute murders. I would well, imagine.
4: exactly, exactly, and I did. I did start to feel the tension in Turkey because none of the restaurants were filled. Um, you know, there was a, we were the only English people uh, that I came across in Izmir, and then we moved to Chez, Chechmi or Chezmi. I think it's. I can't remember. I can't remember how you uh, pronounce it, but um, you know, it was really lacking tourists, and there was empty. Empty restaurants and everything. So I don't think it's going to be long before, if something good doesn't happen soon, it's not going to be long before their businesses start collapsing. Well, it'll
0: bankrupt um, Turkey because Turkey, just like Spain and Portugal, is obviously very dependent on tourism, isn't it? It's it's yeah. it's, it's number one industry really in Turkey. That's a bleak. Yes. That's a bleak picture you painted there, Lisa, with all those empty restaurants and. It's uh, yeah. yeah
4: yeah for sure. But the humanity is still there. You know, I came across, um, uh, Ricky did as well, I came across a lot of really lovely people. The people from the dentist helped us out. Um, you know, they realised our predicament. They got us cheap accommodation. One of the nurses, uh, Yagmore from the dental clinic, she was in contact with both of us for the full seven and a half weeks, bringing us over um, tea bags and chocolates and little gifts here and there. Um they were fantastic I've got to say that's the, my that's my fault now that's yeah.
0: my fault because we skipped over that bit that's an important thing to mention mm. you you were due to come home from turkey much earlier than you did um you ended up mm. getting caught in the airport didn't you and there were some forms or something that there was some um, window that closed or something and you ended up staying that's longer right
4: yeah that's right what happened on the 8th we were due to come back on the 8th but the uh, passenger locator form we stupidly left to the last minute we didn't realize we had to fill in the passenger locator form on the 8th so because it was not a big deal about it round about that time you know and um what happened was the we couldn't get on the internet in the airport at all Uh, which you needed to and we asked for help and the Turkish people wouldn't give us any any help at all to fill out the passenger locator form and then they said right gate closed you've got to go so we couldn't get on that flight then we tried to book another flight Um, I think it was about a week later uh, via the Netherlands we arrived again at the gates and they said no uh, Netherlands don't want any British citizens at the moment so we couldn't fly via the Netherlands
0: um all this nonsense um, yeah. over over a virus that isn't yeah, that isn't that right. serious for the vast majority of people. And the the, the trouble began on the eighth because the, the government had announced in the previous day or two that Turkey was on this new red list. That's that was the problem, yeah. wasn't it? That was that was the, the, the huge problem. I mean we're talking about the UK here. I I spoke a couple of weeks back you won't have heard it because until yesterday I don't think you knew anything about me or this radio program but I spoke a few no, I, didn't. We- I, I spoke a few weeks ago to uh, to a lovely Irish lady called Cindy Cindy Connolly and Cindy didn't know anything about this radio show either but Cindy was in a very similar situation in Dublin she flew from London to Dublin to be uh, to go and care for her father she's Irish but living in London and she was exposed to basically the the, the tyranny that you were exposed to, you know, put on a bus, mm-hmm. you know, military personnel taken to a hotel. I mean, we're supposed to be yep. living in free countries, but obviously not.
4: No. Um, people, I do feel that a lot of it is a, an illusion, an illusion of power. And I do feel that people have got to look past that and take a, have a little bit of courage, because if people start walking out of these like hotels now, and just being a little bit of brave. And they cannot touch you. They are not, the staff are not allowed to touch you. That's another thing. And also you've got to keep very calm. I was advised to keep very calm when I went out. Don't raise your voice because they can then do you under a public disorder act. That's what they want to do. You've got to keep calm. Don't really engage with them. And just walk on through because they can't touch you. This
0: is good to know now, Lisa. This is good. Mm. To, this is really important information for anybody mm. who might end up in the same situation that you and Ricky ended up in. They must yes. call the police, but they they can do no more than that. I've been looking into it myself. They are not permitted, as you said, to prevent you from leaving. They're not, that's false imprisonment. They are not to put a hand on you. Their only recourse when you leave, if you leave before you're supposed to leave, is to call the police. They can do no more than that. That's yeah, right. and
4: if you, if that's correct, and if you, um, when the police come round like they have now, uh, they knock on the door. We're not answering it. So they go away. Um. And if they come round again, I'm going to ask them their name, their number, ask them why they're arresting me, on what grounds are they arresting me, um, you know, just throw a little bit back at them. And, um, and if they do, if it comes to it, that they do take me down the police station, um, they're going to have to release me, you know, because there's not a lot of ground that they can stand on with no. it, no, from what isn't. I've been told by the solicitor.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to look into it today. I spoke to a couple of solicitors mm. today and th- they they have the same understanding as you. Yes. A lot of this is guidance. None of this is really backed up by much law, really. They're depending exactly. a lot on people's, I suppose, I suppose most people, somebody in a uniform tells them where to stand or where to go. Most people, sadly, not you, obviously, Lisa, but most people just go along with it. And that's how yeah, they get think- away with it, yeah.
4: Yeah, because
0: it's easy. That's right. And we've been conditioned, again, not all of us, yes. but we've been conditioned to, to to accept and to trust in that authority. But maybe not so many people now. I've, I've got to ask you this before um, we end up running out of time. Tell us okay. about going to Turkey for dental treatment. Give us a, an idea of the sort of money that you might be able to save going that route, because there'll be a lot of people <laughs> listening to this now, you know. And they know how expensive private dental treatment is. I'm private. When I have dental treatment, it must be private. I'm not entitled to NHS treatment. And I did have to have some treatment done a couple of years ago. And it cost me an arm and a leg. I'm still bloody paying for it. Give us an idea, a kind of a ballpark idea of how cost effective it is to do it the way you did it.
4: Okay, then. Right. My partner wanted a full set of implants. Um, I'm just gonna call him, hold on, Ricky, what was your implants? Can you just say quickly all on six, all on six. and that would cost what
5: Where?
4: yeah thirty two thousand pound quoted in the u k How much in Turkey dr Ozan six thousand pound
0: a saving of twenty six grand
4: yeah, and um he went over there and he's had the all the implants you know put in and basically he's got to go back in three months but we have been put off a little bit by this I've got to say um, and then have the you know the ones screwed in implants and I had a bridge on the side the top and the bottom which looked great actually looked really natural and that cost how much about 900 pound Oh, mine was £1,400 for a bridge top and bottom, and that included a few fillings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, we, And the staff are fantastic. And that included a free hotel, breakfast. Um, you're looked after by all the staff. Um, I got treated by Ricky. It wasn't meant to be me that had the dental treatment. It was meant to be him, but I went in for a consultation. And before I knew it, within five minutes, they had me in the chair and they were drilling away. Wow. Ricky hadn't even spoke to anybody. So, you know, I was a bit shocked by that myself, actually, because I hate the dentist. Um, so, yeah, so I you're mean, I've back with some nice teeth and he's come back with none. Well, you've had some... <laughs> you of, go back in three months.
0: He's, he's going to go back in three months. Well, I mean, it's yeah. been some adventure, hasn't it? You know all of that, getting stuck there as you did because of the forms, the passenger locator forms, getting stuck there, coming back, being told you had to quarantine, at your own expense as well. Well, no, because you were exempt, but it would have cost you. What was that? A thousand seven hundred pounds each, or was it for the both Um, of you?
4: No, it was one thousand seven hundred for one person, then an extra. So it's 2,600 for two people and you go into your room and you cannot even open the window and the air conditioning. It's not just, I mean, my throat's okay, Richie. It's just the air con made me feel like I was getting a cold. Then I turned the air con off and my throat was fine. So it was the air con that was making me feel like I was getting a cold. And I thought, oh, this is well dodgy. You know, if I sort of like kept that air con on because I can't open the windows... And then I get a cold. Then they give me a test because there were people testing positive in there, apparently. Um, you know, it's just not it's not good. Look, and it's then well, it's well dodgy.
0: Ill. It's well dodgy to tell perfectly healthy people returning back into mm. the country that they must stay in a hotel for 10 days or, or two weeks, whatever it is, 10 days. That's well dodgy. That's look, I, I don't think there's anybody who would disagree. That's tyranny. It's the only way to describe it, to be inflicting that on people. It's absolutely dreadful. I
4: totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, this whole thing that's going on at the minute is just tyrannical. It's just wrong. Everything about it is wrong. Intuitively, I feel it's wrong. You know, um, if I, what I've said to you this evening can make one person give it a go and walk out and then maybe another can do it. And then another, then I'm happy, you know. Um And I'm an anxious person. I suffer anxiety. I get panic attacks because I'm that age, you know, as I said. But we did it. Uh, Ricky really supported me. I've got to say, Ricky did help me um go through with it as well. So a big shout out to Fantastic. Ricky.
0: Fantastic. Do, do us a favour, Lisa. Stay in touch with us. And if there's any more... If there's any developments, if they, you know, if you do get visited by the police again or or anybody, yeah. you've got my mobile number, drop me a line and, and let me know. But, but fair play to you for, 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 for saying you. no, absolutely no and leaving as you did. I think that's brilliant. And maybe there's a lesson there that when you do stand maybe. up to these people, you know, they've not exactly come chasing after you with, with with the sirens blaring. Maybe you're showing that the way to stand up to these people is just to say no, firmly say no and walk away, which uh, is what you did. Brilliant.
4: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the young police officer that came um, earlier on, he was just a young police officer, you know, sort of about 30 years old. So I'm not that
0: worried. No. Thanks for coming on today. Best uh, of uh, regards, Best, um, my best, I should say, to Ricky as well, Thank in the background you. there. And a big shout out to Jackie uh, Devi who's um, been following your story. Yes. Lovely to meet you, Lisa. And as I said, if there's any more developments, do let me know, won't you?
4: Thank you very much, Rich- uh, Richie. Yeah, Richie.
0: You're very welcome, Lisa. Lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show today. That's Lisa, who's not a million miles away from London, was in Turkey, coming back from Turkey on Tuesday last and was told that her and her partner would have to go in quarantine in a hotel. They were transported after arguing for a couple of hours. The police came along, armed police, frog-marched them onto a bus. They were sent to the hotel and uh, after a couple of days, they decided no, hell no, and made their escape in the middle of the night. It's exactly five minutes past six. This is Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show. It is live from Salford here in the northwest of the UK. The programs are archived on podomatic.com. If you missed any of them, do check them out. There are programmes going back years there. Uh, they're on iTunes and Spotify and elsewhere as well. Here's a tune. I'll read some of your tweets when we come back. Uh, Dr. Jane Ruby will be with me in a few minutes as well. Girl. Yeah, it's eight minutes past six. This is the Richie Allen Show. That's Urge Overkill and Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. Which, of course, is written by none other than Neil Diamond. But you knew that anyway. Of course, you knew that. Dr. Jane Ruby is in the house and will be with me in a few seconds' time. Really interesting lady. Uh, we, we we, We know some of the same people. By we, I mean you... And me, we know some of the same people as Dr. Jane Ruby. She's been in conversation a lot in the last 12 months with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and others. Um, Very articulate lady is Dr. Jane Ruby. Has a lot to say about the vaccine, about vaccine injuries. Emerging evidence that the so-called vaccines, which are not vaccines, are doing a lot more to people than giving them thrombosis or thrombosis, as they're doing a lot more than giving them cardio events. We're going to get into that with, with Jane. In fact, we'll get her on now. As usual, if you'd like to contribute, you need only Skype me, not Skype me, tweet me, my Twitter handle is BBG Richie is the Twitter handle. You can also reach me through the website, richyallan.co.uk If you send a message through the website during the programme, it flashes up in front of me. And I will read them out when I get a chance. All right, nine and a half minutes past six. That's UK time. Got a lot of guests booked in this week. I'm looking forward to talking about climate lockdowns. We talked about this last week. Um, that'll be on Wednesday with a very interesting gentleman. Do you know what what's going on? There's definitely is is there some Mercury retrograde thing going on? communications issues. I might be having another very mild communication issue there. <laughs> Maybe I am. We'll, we'll try again in a second. Thank God for experience, eh? Thank God that you don't really care when these things happen. But it is a pain in the backside as well. Yeah, so Mark Morano, who's got his finger on the pulse of the climate hoax. Mark will be with me on Wednesday for an extended conversation about the plans to use lockdown in the future to to, de- to deal with climate change. I know, it's all happening. It's all happening. On the Richie Allen Show, 10 minutes past 6... And um, huge interest, by the way, in my next guest, unsurprisingly. As I mentioned, we know many of the same people. She's a medical professional and a pharmaceutical drug development expert with over 20 years of experience in regulatory processes for drug approval. She's appeared on many television and radio shows across the United States and I came across her because, as I said, we know many of the same people. And I've been following her on Twitter, I've been watching her on YouTube presentations. I think she's excellent, so I've invited her on the program. Let's welcome to the show then this afternoon Dr. Jane Ruby. Jane, you're very welcome. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you, Richie. It's wonderful to be here today. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thanks. You're very kind, Jane. Uh, it's, It's important that programs like this platform people with medical expertise and medical experience. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was emerging evidence that the Jabs because they are not vaccines, and I know you're very vocal about that. That the jabs are not just causing thrombosis in people, they're not causing, not just causing cardiac events in people, they're doing other extraordinary things to people as well autoimmune issues that you're seeing over there. Tell us about that.
1: Well, you know, Richie, I think it would help if we do go back a little bit further to the beginning of the story. Um, And I'm sure that a lot of your audience is already aware of this, but it's a good starting point for our discussion. Uh, These injections use a a genetic code that then literally forces your body in, it gets to every cell in your body, by the way, and then it forces every cell that it can to reproduce by the billions um, a synthetic spike protein. Uh, The spike protein on the original, on coronaviruses is, um, you know, it's disease causing, it makes you not feel well, but it's not as dangerous. Uh, I guess, in the wild as it is in this synthetic protein. But anyway, this spike is is a menace. And it's important to understand this because it interferes or competes with a, a receptor that's very protective. It's called the ACE2 receptor. And the reason I'm giving you a little bit of that technical information is because That receptor is ubiquitous throughout the body. So what happens is these spike proteins can cause problems in many countless different areas in the body, which is why it's easy for these evil, you know, perpetrators to just sort of, and zombie doctors, as I call them, they're all in lockstep saying the same thing telling everybody that it's safe and effective, but it's, it makes it easier for them to say, well, this is not related to the jab and you know, it's a, it's it's a, it's a lupus type thing, autoimmune disease, or it it was a heart attack, which is very rare, but strange in a young teenager. Well, if you, if you understand the underlying process of these spike proteins and how they create this kind of havoc, you'll understand that Lots of different issues are going to come up in the next one to two years, and a lot of other experts are saying that we're going to see serious illnesses and a lot of death. Uh, It's going to look like it's general, but what's going to be your clue is that it's going to be happening in so many big numbers across different illnesses. This is important now. Because
0: our incoming health secretary, a guy called Sajid Javid, you're probably aware that Mm -hmm. our secretary of health, the previous one, left his job in disgrace over the weekend. They've been telling us, Jane, that this coming winter, we're going to have what they're calling a perfect storm. That's a direct quote. They're saying we're going to have COVID variants. We're going to have the re-emergence of flu, Jane, because apparently flu went into retirement last year uh, and there were no cases of it. But that's going to come back this winter. And they're expecting what they're calling a perfect storm. So you suspect they're going to use that as a cover for injection injuries?
1: Yeah. And, and you know, Richie, let me say a few things about those comments that that they're saying over there. And they're saying them everywhere, actually. Uh, first of all, you we have never, none of us has ever lived in a world free of bacteria, viruses, fungi, protozoa, and millions of other organisms from the time we emerged from our mother's womb. It it's just not the reality of life. Flues will come and they will go. Now, a second point I wanted to make and, and for the most part, as humanity, we've done pretty well. But let me talk about variance. Variance is a nice fancy word, like you know, how they used cases. Okay, it's a nice, fancy word for viral mutation. And as I've said over and over again, viruses, uh, viruses burn down. They don't burn up. They've been on the planet for billions of years, long before we got here. And this is the natural progression. Um, They don't mutate into some monstrous thing. Uh, Other viruses come along, which will have varying degrees of, you know, uh, being uh, strong and dangerous but a virus in itself uses up its teleomeres or its its DNA, its own, you know, its own material or, or machinations in its in its cells. And so w- when I tell people, if you've been exposed through herd immunity in the community, maybe you weren't sick with COVID last year, but you were around a lot of people inadvertently who were, or you had the natural flu, like I did in March of 2020. Not only do you have antibodies uh, to that virus, uh, which, by the way, no one's ever isolated, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, uh, no one's ever seen it, witnessed it, used it in a lab, and all that. But um, your body is brilliantly designed uh, in terms of immunity. It it has a surveil- it develops a surveillance and a memory for something that invaded it previously in most cases. And it also attaches to that memory a little bit of a troop of, of killer T cells that will be deployed if that anything that even remotely looks like that virus right. comes back. Now, why am I saying that? Because these variants, the fancy name now for mutations, um, are very they're very closely, you know, within hundreds of a percent closely uh, reminiscent or similar to the parent virus. So it's absurd to think that you're gonna have this monster Loch Ness you know, variant that's gonna come in. They're using, I'm warning all of you, they are using this as a pretext to slam you down again into, in, into lockdowns, lockdowns, to shut down your businesses and destroy your economy further. So if you look around, think for yourself, are your hospitals empty? Are people around you sick from this thing? No, they're not. And you cannot trust the PCR test. It was designed uh, in a fraudulent way to find positives everywhere. That test, Richie, will find COVID, quote unquote, in a ham sandwich. And yeah. I'm not even being cute.
0: No, that's right. I- people, people have done this. They found it. Even in Europe last yep. year, they found it in the most in- innocuous, the most strange of places. <laughs> yes. Dr. Jane Ruby is our guest. And Jane, you said something that's very important. A-, a microbiologist got in touch with me about six weeks or eight weeks ago and said, Uh, Anonymously, and I don't normally do this because it's a bit cheeky. But look, I'm going to mention what the lady said to me. She said, Richie, everything you said, Jane, she echoed it. She said, when a virus mutates, it doesn't get worse, it gets um, weaker every time. That's generally how it goes. And nobody has ever worried about variants throughout history. And she said this, and she said, I cannot understand why the people I work with in academia, I can't understand why the TV scientists are saying what they know to be untrue. So I'm only going to ask you to speculate, Jane. Why are our television hero scientists, the ones we see all the time, why are they saying these things about deadly variants if they patently know that it is a lie? Why are they doing it?
1: Yes, a very important point. Uh, It's an incredible bit of a mystery. I do have a theory, uh, and that's why, as I previously mentioned, I've coined the term zombie doctor, hashtag zombie doctor. And I start featuring American physicians that come on, uh, public service announcements and do videos on YouTube telling everyone how wonderfully safe and effective these injections are even for pregnant women and unborn babies. I mean, there's nobody that's exempt in in the world of these zombie doctors. Now here's my thought. Uh, There is a trance that seems to have come over, uh, doctors, uh, scientists, famous people, uh, things like that. There's there are only two explanations, Richie. The first one is that the doctors are lazy. Uh, they are um, not doing their due diligence. They are they have access to the same information that I've availed myself to. And if they would really look at what these injections are and are not, uh, they they would they would they would be shocked and they would stop. Now. That's really a dereliction of duty. It's what Dr. Peter McCullough calls malfeasance. It's the worst violation of the Hippocratic Oath I've ever seen in my entire medical career. Now, the other reason it could be happening, and it's even worse, to be honest with you, is that they are complicit. And that often comes about through incentives, bonuses, uh, academic grants, However you want to uh, disguise the money, it comes from the pharmaceutical industry and possibly even uh, organizations in the U.S. like the National Institutes for Health uh, that Fauci's uh, overseen. These are totally corrupted and lost institutions. Uh, We are in a very bad situation just like you are. We've lost our institutions. We have no Department of Justice Uh, which is a prosecutorial body. We have no FBI anymore, which is a police, a national police organization. We just don't, we don't have an FDA, which is the equivalent of your EMA. Uh, They're gone. They're compromised. They're just gone. They're not functional, and they're allowing everything to come through the floodgates.
0: Yeah, we're not. I do. I wouldn't dream of correcting you now, uh, but just to say, <laughs> the EMA is obviously the European Medicines Agency. We, the UK, left the European Union, so it's the MHRA right. here in the UK. No, problem. no listen, no problem. that's just that's Similar. just me yep. being anal, Jane. That's that's one. Of, yep. I'm a geek. I'm a geek. We've got <laughs> Dr. Jane Ruby. <laughs> I like I <it. laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm delighted you're on, Jane. Dr. Jane Ruby is our guest this afternoon. Um, Done some incredible work um, online, done some great presentations with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and other friends of ours. And she's another physician um, who's got a conscience and who's asking very pertinent questions about some of the things that we've been witnessing over the last um, two years, 15 months. So when I announced you were coming on, Jane, immediately, Richie, please ask Jane, does she have a comment on news that's breaking here. The Times newspaper, which is our paper of record in the UK, reported a week on Sunday, so like eight days ago, it said that 4,000 women in the UK have claimed that they've had menstrual problems with their menstrual cycle after having a vaccination and some of those are severe problems with severe bleeding, uh, pain and, 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 and what not I know you've heard about this Jane but what do you think when you hear that?
1: Yes, yes, of course. And we we have a tremendous number of those reports in the U.S. as well. Um, now, a lot of these reporting agencies, I'm, I'm not familiar with the one that you're specifically referring to, but I would I would always err on the side of saying that it's probably an under-reporting. So those yeah. numbers are probably way under what's really, really happening. I know for our, uh, in the U.S., the VAERS system, which is a short, an acronym for Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System embedded in the uh, Centers for Disease control, all corrupt. Uh, now, that Vera system is a self-reporting system. Anybody can report to it, patients, their families, doctors. Uh, many are not doing it, or if they are, the we, we have found evidence that they're throttling numbers. Now, getting back to uh, these menstrual irregularities, this is probably one of the most commonly uh, reported and discussed in social media, as well as these reporting systems, uh, that's happening. And so I think the spike proteins have a particular affinity for, you know, greater concentration in areas of the body, uh, some areas over others. And one of them is certainly in the ovaries and the testes in men. Uh, and so what we're seeing particularly in women are women who are postmenopausal having bleeding after you know, not bleeding uh, regularly for many years. Uh, women who are in still a childbearing years and have uh, are menstruating regularly go into this, you know, very severe irregularities like prolonged bleeding, uh, things like that, lots of uh, cramping and pain. Something's going on, um, and I think that what's happening is these spike proteins. As I look at some of the preclinical work that is is just coming out rapidly, and you can all look it up. Um, there's a a website called PubMed. I believe it's U.S. based, but it's yeah. it's for the world, and and I'm. Seeing reports that in animal studies that they're rapidly doing right now, they're finding from these injections. That in animals the spike proteins are over concentrating in ovaries, and what they're doing is they're damaging um, unripened you know eggs ov- you know human ova. They're literally inside seeing like splitting and ex- and sort of like I don't want to be overly dramatic, but sort of like an, ex- a, a, an explosion inside of them. So rendering. Look at Israel. Israel made a deal with Pfizer. Uh, the entire country was uh, almost three quarters of it was inoculated with the Pfizer injection. Yeah. Now they're looking at these menstrual irregularities. Regularities, they're doing an ovarian reserve study. They might likely, Richie, shockingly, have just um, sterilized two thirds of the childbearing women in their country. Might
0: have. I mean, that's that's astonishing to, to, to think yes. of that. And and it, it also is worth mentioning that Israel is looking at going into more lockdowns now isn't it they're 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 finding problems they're saying they're worried about variants as well and these vaccine they're not vaccines these injection escaping variants that they're talking about so much to yeah. get into jane with uh, dr jane ruby you'll find jane on twitter by the way and there there will be other links later on on when, when i put the podcast on later on we'll put other links where you can find jane um, a lot of our listeners know you through watching you with Sherry Tenpenny and others important stuff loads of questions coming in sure. uh, and, and, and the shedding I suppose we can get to the shedding in a few minutes that, that's terrifying people are the unjabbed at risk by being in close proximity to the jabbed it's controversial but you you have a, a learned opinion so we'll get that opinion in a minute it's BBG Richie on Twitter Dr Jane Ruby is our guest so Jane I was looking at your Twitter today and fair play to you you're calling out some of these governors and you're also seeing injuries that are horrific people coming out in terrible blisters on their legs and other parts of their bodies and you mentioned the VAR system our system here is the yellow card system it's it's known as the yellow card system and as you said it's also quite similar here that it's underreported here. They accept this, the government acknowledges that people are not really likely, maybe only a handful of people in a hundred would actually go and try and find it. And I wonder about the Vax system. Maybe you can help me out here. We have an astonishing thing here in the UK. They roll out these very, very experimental jabs. And they're still in trial. The trials are ongoing until 2023. They indemnify the manufacturers, which is absolutely crazy. But you know what they don't do, Jane? They don't let the person receiving the jab know where to go if they they get injured. So they don't even tell them about the yellow card system. Is it similar in the United States? Are they informing people about theirs while they get jabbed?
1: very good question uh, not at all not at all it's it's worse than that wow. many people lay people and understandably are not aware that the VAERS, uh reporting system even exists Bad. doctors and nurses are aware and they actually have a responsibility through their oaths to take care of people to report it themselves uh, many of them I'm ashamed to say in this country are refusing to do it they're refusing to even remotely tie it to the injection even though the person may have a clean bill of health otherwise What you referred to earlier, Richie, was very important as well in terms of, it all goes back to informed consent. Uh, I've been in the pharmaceutical drug development business for 20 years. Never in my life, I've been an investigator, I've had to write uh, informed consent documents and have them approved by human subjects review boards. These boards emanated out of the Nuremberg trials and and to get in, in alignment with the codes. And so you, there's, there's what I've seen. I've never seen before in my life and my career. And so the, there I, I was, I offered 10,000 us dollars several months ago to anyone who could show me a, an, a fide stamped IRB investigational review board approved protocol or informed consent by any of these countries, uh, companies rather that have pushing or, you know, and have made these jabs. That's a lot of money anywhere in the world. And I have, crickets. I didn't hear a thing from anybody. I started at a hundred. I, I went to a thousand, I went to 5,000 and I looked around thinking, uh Oh, okay. If somebody comes up with this, you know, we'll, we'll solve a great mystery. It'll be worth the $10,000, but I never heard from Nobody. anybody. And you know why, Richie? Cause no one can provide it. Pa- patients are being kept in the dark or people, humans, uh, in terms of the risks involved and what they could do if they, and here's the other startling issue. People are going into the hospital, the emergency room with these these terrible things like the blood blisters on their body, uh, difficulty breathing in teenagers, myocarditis, cardiac events. And guess what? The testing is normal. The EKGs, the blood markers, this is frightening. And when they go to um, treat them with standard cardiac, you know, uh, um, you know, approaches to, to reverse these things, they don't work. So this is happening at the cellular level. These spikes are in it's just, and, and the spikes are downstream from where the problem is. We cannot reverse this mRNA code that is forcing the cells to do this.
0: Hugely important, this. I first heard about this last year when Professor Dolores Cahill came on uh, the yes. program, an, an Irish lady I'm very proud of. Um, I am too. I hope uh, I meet her someday. uh, No doubt you will, um, Jane. No doubt you will. If we ever get out of this um, paradigm, hopefully there'll be a day where we'll all be able to come together. Dr. Jane Ruby is our guest. Now, before we talk about shedding, you mentioned something earlier on, and I know you believe this. You said that you don't believe that SARS-CoV-2 has ever been isolated. Now, you're not the first person to say that to me, but... When you know that the the government I know it's terrible, it's gonna sound so ironic and so naive of me, but the governments and some newspapers they run these organizations called Full Fact, where they attempt to debunk theories and, and, and ideas. And the UK government has said repeatedly, and Full Fact has said repeatedly, that it has been isolated. They they said they, they said it has been. COVID nineteen has been isolated, SARS-CoV-2 botchain, bought but bought they say so. There, so that is that. But as a layman, I'm like, well, how do I know? Do I, do I believe you because you've told me that it's been isolated, or 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 do I do I retain some sort of skepticism? So they say it has been that 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 technicians in the UK have seen it. They've isolated this virus, and they say book closed, subject closed. Don't ask any more questions. But you're not convinced. You don't believe it has been isolated.
1: Well. The first time somebody lies to me, you know, shame on on them. But the second time they lie to me and I take it, shame on me. Richie, the past is prologue. These are organizations and, you know, governments and, you know, spokespeople who have absolutely no credibility in the world anymore. And the backlash when people... Figure this out on masse is going to be incredible, something nothing you've ever seen before. Um, Carrie, M- let me give you a little story that underscores that. Dr. Carrie Mullins, who invented the PCR test, said he realized this was a dangerous uh, hoax, a diabolical scheme. You know, when he realized it, because he asked over and over again for a sample of the SARS CoV 2 isolate and. He, he was connected all around the world with health yeah. organizations and he couldn't, he, he, he couldn't get it. And when he couldn't get it and he was constantly refused, he came to the conclusion that it didn't exist because he wasn't able to calibrate his PCR test, which he said is not able. It was never developed for and it still isn't capable of detecting or diagnosing anything, much less a virus. So so putting all that together, you know, you've got to put your skeptical hats on and you've got to stop absorbing and taking in what these authorities. Those days are gone, my friends. Yeah. They're gone.
0: Now, on that, Jane, Roger Hodkinson was on this program last week. Dr. Roger Hodkinson, pathologist. Oh, Dr. Hodkinson. You know, you, you know man. him. Yeah. And he's convinced he's convinced that it was a bad seasonal flu. That's what he says what what do i know i'm i'm a a, a radio jock from from Ireland, so I don't know, but he, he he came across very well he's like yourself, he's eminently qualified. he says it's a bad flu. Is that what you think
1: I'm not sure what it was, but miraculously, all types of flus right yeah um sort of disappeared last year and everything was diagnosed as COVID. Let me go back to this PCR issue. It's incapable of, if, if it's incapable, and I believe it is, I believe the inventor of it, who, who by the way, I believe was murdered. He's he's dead. He was a relatively young man, but that's a topic for another day, yeah. Dr. Mullins. Um, if this PCR is incapable, as its inventor says it is, then how can you believe any Ca- you know quote case numbers, and how can you believe that it that and and we and no one has witnessed a, an isolate. How can you believe that um that that it was anything other than just uh, different flus in the wild last year yeah uh, the flu is much more aggressive than a common cold, so of course it's gonna be several weeks of you know a lot of suffering and coughing and flu and fever and all that i had the I had whatever. I was told it was the you know back in the, March the was it
0: back in March last year? You, I think you said you were unwell, um, and were right. you and were you seriously unwell, Jane? Because I, in January 2020, I um, d- d- very briefly, not to be talking about myself, I'm a very fit guy, very healthy. I do not smoke. Right, I, I'm an Irishman, so I do drink, uh, sadly, but I don't, <laughs> but I don't smoke. Uh, but I run regularly. I got a respiratory infection January 2020, and I am not a hypochondriac. Uh, it nearly it nearly killed me, Jane. It was dreadful. It was horrendous. Yeah. I had a really bad three weeks. Yeah,
1: right. It's the flu. The flu does that, and you're yeah. still you know you may be fit and young. And you know you're you're fairly you know impervious to to most diseases, but you're you're still human. And you know I've I've probably had the flu if I could count, and I'm a lot older than you, probably three times in my life. And you know I'm I'm a grandmother, so that'll give you a little idea of the span. So three times is not very often, uh, but but they were very severe. We're talking high fevers, unrelenting fevers. We're talking uh, coughs that went on for weeks. Uh, we're talking profound weakness. And 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 aches and pains and all that. Um, I had no treatment because that's a, that's another story. I was refused treatment, and that's when I discovered that uh, a Democrat. Uh, party governors uh, uh, throughout the United States were blocking access through the departments of health yeah. uh, within each state. So, so we we discovered that you know that scandal. But um, but yeah, you're you're gonna get it once in a while. Like I said, you've never lived in a sterile world. You you know once in a while you're going to get some things. So yeah, I, I am all on board with Dr. Hodkinson. I think he's brilliant. I think he lays it out properly, and uh, since there's no evidence of a particular scary you know SARS-COV2, uh, and that's that may be why they skipped they, you know, these pharmaceutical companies were allowed to skip preclinical pharmacokinetics because there really is nothing. To study, out, you know, outside of other viruses in the wild, maybe maybe they did have the you know some kind of virus, yeah. flu virus, and they released it in China.
0: Who knows? Who who knows? Dr. Jane Ruby is our guest. It's exactly twenty-three minutes to the top of the air time is flying. We've got Jane for another <laughs> twenty minutes. It's flying by. So so here's the question then that everybody wants me to put to you and to any sure. other expert that comes on shedding. what, what is it? And why sure. are people like you and Dr. Tenpenny and Dolores Cahill and others so concerned about the possibility of it?
1: Um, well, you know, it's often it's called shedding and I think it's a good visual. Um, technically, in medical terms, we, we call it transmission. Um, we're not I, I, I pride myself, Richie, on being um, my credibility comes from the fact that I don't jump on every trend or theory. I start digging. And I try to look for corroborating evidence as best I can. So relative to this shedding issue, there are just too many reports to ignore or deny of people who live with or are in close, frequent proximity to people who have been injected when they themselves have not been injected uh, that are having these incredibly – and actually – you know, common, common to their reports, common symptoms of not feeling well, uh, you know, headaches, um, uh, cramping, uh, periods get in menstrual periods getting, you know, wacky, uh, and all the different things that you've all heard about. There are too many to ignore. So here's what I would say to people in the absence of, of any science yet, any studies uh, that, are directly, that will directly confirm for me that, A, this is happening. I do believe it's happening from what I'm seeing, but I don't have the proof yet. Uh, I don't have the proof. I don't see uh, how it is exactly happening. And people are pro- – I know this is not what you want to hear. The only evidence I have seen is that there were some preclinical researchers that saw – You know, when your body is hit with billions of spike proteins, your body's still working. It knows these are dangerous. It knows they're not healthy. And it knows that they're menacing. So it goes into some some major compensatory mechanisms. It tries to break them up. Uh, It tries to excrete them. And so some preclinical scientists looking, when I say preclinical, that refers to petri dishes and animals. Clinical research, whenever you see those terms together, refers to experimenting or examining humans, people. So let's go back to this. They have found in animals who were injected with the, in these, uh, you know, quote unquote vaccines and whose bodies were forced to make billions of spikes. They are finding spike pieces, whole pieces, break up, broken up pieces, concentrating in a number of different organs, predominantly in feces, right? That's the body's attempt to get rid of them, even yeah. though it's never going to catch up. And the reason I'm telling you this is remember those old stories where people would say, put the put the toilet seat down when you flush it yeah. from passing feces so that it doesn't get on your, you know, these aerosolizations get on your toothbrush and everybody laughs because, you know, nobody really gets sick from that. But there is something to that. And so I've said to people with that little bit of evidence, I would say if you live with somebody and you're lucky to have two bathrooms or lose as you call them, you know, use them exclusively. Let the injected spouse or partner or friend you know, use that one bathroom alone and you use the other one and don't go into multi stall bathrooms where people could be flushing their feces and it could be aerosol. Again, I don't know the downstream transmission. I'm just saying out of abundance of caution, you might want to be careful in some of those ways. And you can be assured that as soon as I get more evidence, I will push it out. It's
0: it's one of the reasons I invited you on. Uh, I like I like your, your style to hell with telling people what they want to hear. Yes, people are concerned about this but you, you, you work with the knowledge that you have to hand And it's very important. So you're concerned about it. It's worth looking into. It's possible. But you can't come down hard on one side. Do you know, about two weeks back, Jane, a lovely uh, journalist called Spiro Skouras, who's a good friend of mine, Spiro sent me a link to an article. Now, you'll know about this, but I didn't know about this. And that is that for a couple of years now, um, development, there has been the development of self-spreading vaccines. Now, I did not know that. It absolutely blew me away. But um, companies have been working on vaccines that are not... It's not necessary to give everybody in the population a jab. You need only give a small portion of a community the jab. And the jab will spread um, organically to people who haven't even had it. Now, look, this is ridiculous, wild speculation on my behalf. But I wonder if these mRNA jobs, I wonder if if, there's, if it's worth looking into if they are self-spreading vaccines, I wonder.
1: Uh, well, again, um, Wild I've heard speculation. of it. Wild speculation. I, 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 I do believe they're probably trying to do it, Uh, they're researching it from everything I've seen, uh, in terms of, uh, the, you know, the magnetization, the, some of the studies and the research behind that, I'm not saying it's related to the magnetism phenomenon, but some of the research leading, you know, that can be connected to that, uh, is possible. And I see the intention in those research studies. Uh, but again, they've never been done in humans that has been reported yet, but I, I, I will in my own, you know, uh, you know, good, good history and pattern, I will remain open yeah. uh, to this. I do believe they're trying to do it. I see more and more evidence of it, um, you know, that they're trying, uh, but I, I'm not sure of the mechanism by which it's, yeah either happening or whether where it's how it's going to happen so again I'm very cautious I just want to see more evidence and and I'll be looking for it don't get yourself you know don't kid yourself I will definitely be looking for it because I think this is their ultimate goal
0: well said Jane and as a woman of science and as a woman of medicine how dare they how dare they develop this type of technology? How dare they think that they have the right? I mean, look, it was wild speculation on my behalf. There's no evidence that these vaccines are self-spreading. But in the near future, they want to deploy these self So what about your human rights, Jane? What about my rights as a sovereign human being to say, I don't want that, excuse my French, I don't want that crap. So so don't mm-hmm. be putting self-spreading vaccines into the public domain. Are they I know these are terms that you wouldn't use because you're a woman of science. But are are they evil these people Jane?
1: Are they sick? Oh, I, I definitely use words like evil and yeah. sick. I, mean, I think it it aligns with the the type of science if you want to call it the you know the Franken you know Stein science yeah. that we're seeing here. But it it gets worse than that Richie. It it's it's about hijacking Our genetics, our genetic code. And if you believe in God, I think it's an affront uh, to mess with what was divinely designed. If you don't believe in, in a divine being, I get that too. But you should be equally as enraged because, like you just alluded to, this is your personal genetic code. It's been passed down to you by Many, many years of ancestors who were strong enough to survive that code is sacrosanct, and it should not be uh, touched or changed or hijacked or manipulated in any way, and especially without your permission if you're if you 're kind of wacky and you want to do it and sacrifice yourself to science. That 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 to me, you know that that's your that's your right as a human being if you want to, as long as it doesn't impact anyone else. But but of course we don't we don't expect anyone to do that. But it is a hijacking of your your either your God given and at least at the very least your ancestral given uh, that your ancestors fought for to to survive your God given genetic code and it will be altered forever if you take these injections. Uh, and it will be passed to any children that you that that you that you have subsequent to that. And Jim, possibly to the ones you have now.
0: And we'll talk about children in a moment because we're going to rapidly run out of time. Uh, I finish at your time, which is 2 o'clock Eastern. And I finish at 7 o'clock here in the UK. So we've only got about 10 sure. more minutes with Jane. Just before we talk about children, you, 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 cognitive has a type of cognitive dissonance descended on the global population? I am amazed at times at the things that people will swallow. Like today in the UK, they are saying now, oh, we'll give you a booster jab in the autumn. And they're saying, Jane, and we'll probably give you a different jab to the original jab. And we believe that it will work better. I mean, it's obvious. Jay, I've been a journalist for 20, 25 years. It's obvious sure. they are making this up as they go along. How can they keep a straight face by telling you, oh, you've had two Pfizer jabs, have you, in the spring? Well, we'll give you an AstraZeneca jab in the autumn and everything will be honky dory We believe it'll work even better. It's obviously nonsense to me. What's happened to people that they believe this stuff?
1: Well, you know, they, uh, we've been all conditioned. I don't want to point a finger at any one group or anything like that or any country. We've all been conditioned, uh, for many generations to believe our authorities, to trust in them because we, we don't have the time to research everything. We're trying to live our lives and raise our families and enjoy life. Uh, but, but, um, It is is astounding. Uh, It is astounding that the world allowed themselves to be in lockdown uh, to wear a face muzzle that's very unhealthy. Um, And so, look, there there are all kinds of crazy things they're trying to tell us to do. Uh, We've seen cases here in the United States where these companies also had the audacity to say, well, you can take the first shot from Pfizer and take the second shot from AstraZeneca. That is medically and pharmaceutically the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Don't fall for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I want to point something out as we get to the children, the issue around children. Um, if you don't, if you haven't figured it out, even by watching these corrupted, you know, on uh, un, 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 irresponsible reporting systems, because I think they're being manipulated and corrupted, you know, by, 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 by being, you know, by being throttled numbers, being throttled. If you haven't figured it out though, there's enough information to watch the trend that the younger they shift down to jab children and now they're trying to get babies. Uh, the younger you go, the more severe and life-threatening the the uh, side effects.
0: And, then right? we're on, and now we're on to children. Every day, yes. every day on, on the BBC and on Sky News, which are our two biggest 24-hour news channels, every single day they bring on one of the hero scientists and they ask him or her, they say, what about vaccinating children then, Professor? And the professor usually starts off kind of, you know, with uh, well, uh, a very serious question and there are some ethical things to consider here because children don't get sick from COVID. However, uh, children carry the disease and they do spread it so we would be vaccinating children to protect the wider population. Now Jane, I know nothing about medicine. I told you already and, and you know this, I'm a lay person, I'm a layman. But to me, It is unimaginably wrong and ethically wrong to ask a child to take a treatment on behalf of somebody else. It's insane to me. And You mentioned earlier what's happened in Israel, and I know you're right. What are we doing here? Are we going to sterilise generations of children? What's going on? This is about as unimaginably evil as it gets, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. First of all, uh, you're not going to sterilize the children because they're not, well, you might sterilize them, but you're not going to see that manifest because the children are not going to live a normal lifespan. You're going to sterilize the existing women of childbearing age in large numbers. So it's going to slow down the population. The children are going to get autoimmune diseases if they survive the initial cardiac or type, you know, uh, dangerous cardiac events that we're seeing now. Um, I I just, I also want to say that You will, you will all end up knowing, and you probably already do by now, if you really do the math, knowing more people who, who had severe permanent disability, crippled, can't walk anymore, um, all these things from the jabs than you will have ever known from the, any, you know, quote, COVID flu infection. Um, I want to say one thing right now, and I want to go on the record, um, As as a medical professional, as someone who has uh, studied microbiology at the highest levels, children are not vectors, even if they were. And I agree with you, they should not bear that burden because children are not going to live a normal lifespan if they get these jabs, number one. Number two, telling people that children can spread it even though they don't get it or don't get seriously ill is a bold-faced lie. And people who are saying that, your hero doctors, your hero scientists, you hopefully, if you don't take the jabs, you're going to live to see them prosecuted in in an international tribunal for crimes against humanity. So the children who get the jabs are not going to survive. Babies who are breastfeeding jabbed mothers are dying and they're bleeding out from their orifices. I cannot emphasize, Richie, if I, if I accomplish nothing else in putting my, my safety and security on the line for this, I cannot emphasize how important it is to protect our children. Um, and Jane, sorry just, giving- Jane, sorry to interrupt, Jane.
0: Sorry to interrupt. That incident you mentioned, I've got to pull, yep. got to pull back to that. You, you, yep. you said that you've, you've heard of where breastfeeding infants have become so ill that, that they've bled. Where, where has that happened? That's extraordinary.
1: Uh, I've seen I've seen reports. I, I I cannot say right now if it is uh, outside of the U.S. Uh, but I will get that documentation to you. You have to understand. I'm getting probably upwards of almost six or seven hundred now, uh, proton emails a day. Yeah. Uh, I have other. You know, there are other ways people can connect to me. And I would say probably another two or three hundred uh, pieces of information. So I have to uh, have to go back. No, I now. I understand. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Trying to categorize everything so that I can go back and and share this, but but even if I can't be fact checked on every single thing, there is more than enough. Richie, I'm going to give you one other example. Uh, I I worked for the company that that um that launched the drug. Um, uh, I forgot what it was called in in the in outside of the United States, but it's. It's, it's Lexapro. Its predecessor was called Selexa, a major, very popular antidepressant. When that drug was going through animal studies prior to humans, there were six beagle dogs that died, and the and the FDA shut the study down. For two years, it took the company two years to find that it was a very rare genetic anomaly specific to beagles, not even all dogs. And then they were allowed to resume the study in the rest of the animals, which were fine. And, and then on to humans. Okay, everything was fine. But I'm telling you that six, six dogs died and they shut down an entire research program. We have over 6,000, well if we multiply it, right dead in the united states and i'm sure 15,000 in your in your yellow card the, what are we doing what are we doing allowing this and not even point. allowing it but still pushing it
0: that's a great point you make there and that reminds me of something that i learned from one of your colleagues in the 1970s there was a swine flu vaccine and <laughs> yes. there were some fatalities only a handful i think well one is bad enough but 25 Twenty-five is that right Jane? and it was immediately shut down wasn't it and that's yes. a great point you're making they know that these jabs are doing all different they're, they're, people are dying from them people are getting very ill you have the heart attacks you have the the the, the, the deep vein thromb- thrombosis you've got all this yes. stuff yep. and it's it's a see no evil hear no evil that's the attitude it's uh, It's stunning, it really is
1: It's terrible, and I'll tell you, Richie, the, hypo- the hypocrisy is just astounding. American airline carriers okay are are telling the public publicly if you've been jabbed in the last couple of weeks don't fly your your risk of developing blood clots is 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 doubled or tripled at the same time behind the scenes and i've got leaked documents to prove it they're they're mandating the jabs for pilots and flight attendants who could have one of these strokes in mid-flight it's astounding
0: by the way um you said earlier on i I love your your attitude you're brilliant you said fact checking i wasn't fact checking you at all i just i was i was astonished and um, we've had another jane come on to us who's given me a link to a VAERS report of a baby dying, a breastfeeding baby dying. The mother had just had the second dose. Reported on VARES number one one six six zero six two. So it has been reported. Not that you're vindicated, Jane, or anything like that. You didn't need to be. You didn't need to be vindicated. But it's such an awful thing to hear. I'm like, what? Terrible. What? I mean, is Terrible. this not happening? Yes. We're just about to run out of time. You've got um, more work to do. It's been great uh, meeting you, Jane. I say great. Uh, it is great, but it's also terrible to be talking about these, you know, very real, very serious things. Jane is on Twitter at real d or Jane Ruby. You can't miss her. Yeah. Uh, follow Jane, and and through following her on Twitter, you'll find links to other very important um, bits of information around uh, these. Uh, Subjects. I love what you said, Jane. Just to finish up, I love what you said about a a future court case or tribunal. I'll hang on to that, Jane, because we need all the positivity we can get. I hope someday it bears um, fruit that we do get these people behind bars. You know,
1: absolutely. And and to that point, um, if you're not already aware of him, and you might want to have him on your show, he's wonderful. uh, There's an uh, an attorney. Uh, uh, Reiner Filmich, who's German-born, um, yeah, but yeah. but was I think spent a lot of time in the U.S. Uh, he's been on a lot of the shows here. He is actually working with a number of com- countries worldwide he's put he's got hundreds of lawyers they're put there they will hopefully be one of the entities that puts together one of these tribunals and I do want to thank you uh, before before you do conclude your show Richie for bringing me on I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to share the information and I and I want to really commend your audience for the incredible questions they're clearly you know doing their due diligence and and I applaud them because each of them can make a difference too by by teaching people and sharing the information.
0: Well said, Jane. Thanks for being you and thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again in the very near future. Enjoy the rest of your day, Jane. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you, Richie. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: That was Dr. Jane Ruby live on Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show. We're just about to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks so much to Jane uh, for coming on. Thanks to Lisa as well in hour one. I know I didn't give you Lisa's uh, surname. That's Lisa who absconded from the Quarantine Hotel uh, over the weekend. And thanks to my pal, Jackie Devi, the journalist, for making the connection. It's great to have pals like Jackie Devoi. I don't mind telling you. So thanks to uh, Lisa and to Dr. Jane Ruby. So just to reiterate, I will be with you tomorrow. England do play Germany at exactly the same time as I open the mic here at Richie Allen Radio Show Towers. But um, I don't take time off to watch football matches. It's as simple as that. I'd love to. I'd love to sit down at five o'clock tomorrow with a, a bottle of Bacardi and 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 four litres of Coca Cola and Bacardi delivering but Jesus out of myself. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be with you, and I'll get the result at the end of the uh, show as I as I suppose I'll have to do. That's it for the program. Then you enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thanks for all your tweets and for your emails as well. There are some really interesting guests on the programme tomorrow but I just can't tell you about them now. Because I'm a bit of an idiot. See you tomorrow. Bye, bye, bye.